you have your Bibles, go ahead and meet me in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, it'll be up on the screen as well. First John chapter 1, starting in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray again. Dear Heavenly Father, so often we, we tend to have this idea that you don't want to hear the baggage that's in our life. Sometimes we have this fear that you don't want to hear about it. But that's so far from the truth. You want us to run into your arms, your arms of grace and mercy. We're to approach your throne of grace with confidence to receive that mercy in a time of need. Open the eyes of our hearts tonight as we go through this topic of confession. What does it mean to confess our sins to you? And what does it mean that you're our loving Father who's always willing to embrace us? In your precious name, amen. A few months back, I was eating lunch with my family, and my twin boys had to go to the restroom. So they go off into the bathroom, and, and I'm sitting here talking to my wife, Amanda, and it's quiet for several minutes. Silence is usually golden, but when you have twin boys, silence is suspicious. <laughs> After several minutes, here it is. Daddy, daddy, the toilet's overflowing. At the same time, my five-year-old daughter comes running in. Daddy, it's a mess in the bathroom. So I go running into the restroom. And sure enough, there's water all over the bathroom. And my twin boys are standing there. They're doing one of these. Twisting their toes. <laughs> Me being a good father, I put on my detective cap and I start to ask questions. What happened here? They wouldn't look me in the eyes. They just looked the other way and they wouldn't answer. I knew they were hiding something. So I start to ask questions, more and more questions, till eventually the truth comes out. That stuck a rubber ducky in the toilet. <laughs> They flushed it, and it got stuck in the trap of the toilet. The truth had come out. I didn't necessarily care that there was a mess in the bathroom on the floor. What I wanted my boys to be is honest and upfront with me. That's how God our Father is. He wants us to be upfront and honest with him. God is our Father, and he'll always be our Father. The letter of John is writing to believers to distinguish between true believers and non-believers. And one thing, point he makes is that true believers confess their sins. When we confess our sins, we're acknowledging the issues and the struggles in our hearts, the sin inside our hearts. Psalm 32.5 says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. When we acknowledge our sin to God, we're showing that we perceive and we know the issues that are going on in our hearts. Some of you may ask, why do we ask for forgiveness? 
Jesus Christ died on the cross, right? Why do we need to still ask for forgiveness as a believer? Well, see, when Jesus died on the cross, we were forgiven positionally. Theologians call it justification. We're declared righteous. We're now adopted into the family, and we will always be in the family of God. But what John has in mind in 1 John is he's talking about a relational forgiveness. God is our Father, and we're his children. We're asking for relational forgiveness. We're acknowledging that we screwed up, which we do all the time. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we're in the family of God. We will always be in the family of God. Always. We're never going to get kicked out of the family. We're not trying to keep ourselves in the family of God when we confess our sins. It's a relationship. Relationships are a two-way street. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, as Paul tells us in Romans 8. I like how the Westminster Confession of Faith puts it. It says, God does continue to forgive the sins of those that are justified. And although they can never fall from the state of justification, yet they may, by their sins, fall under God's fatherly displeasure and not have the light of his countenance restored into them until they humble themselves, confess their sins, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. Let me read that beginning again. God does continue to forgive the sins of those that are justified. And although they can never fall from the state of justification, that's the point I'm making, we can never get kicked out of the family of God. Nothing separates us from the love of God. Even though our restroom was flooded with water, that ducky, that rubber ducky that caused all that issue, all that mess, is not going to drive a wedge between my kids and I to the point of where I disown my children. They will always be my children, and I love them. As a father of four kids, all under the age of six, I'm constantly, over and over and over, having to discipline, correct. My patients are tested often. Amanda's patients are tested often. She's there all day. But the things they do, even though it tests my patients and I have to do it over and over again, I'm never going to disown them. I will always love my children, no matter what they do. When we ask for forgiveness from our perfect father, we are strengthening the relationship that we have with him. We're not asking to get back in the family. We're already in the family. But when we try to hide things from our father, which is ironic because he's the creator and the sustainer of the universe, but we sit here and we try to hide the rubber duckies in our life, he knows it's there. He wants us to acknowledge our issues. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. When we confess to our Father the sins that permeate our daily lives, we're telling him that we're depending on him. We're humbling ourselves. Our pride is being shattered. We're acknowledging that we have issues, that we're broken, and only God can mend that brokenness. Our relationship as a son or a daughter of God the Father is a two-way street. And as a son of God, as a daughter of God, as a child of God, our life as a Christian is every day. 
I'm stating the obvious, but we tend to forget that every day we should be in communion with our Father. We should constantly be in contact with our Father, and we forget that. And we should always be reorientating our thoughts and our actions through confession and through repentance. Martin Luther, in his famous 95 thesis, his first point is that when our Lord and Master, Jesus, said repent, he called for the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. John makes it clear that if we say we have no sin in our lives, then the truth is not in us. We like to act like our lives are so perfect to others when in reality we have struggles. People are like icebergs. With God, we even like to do this. We only like people and even God to see just the top, just to see the tip of the iceberg. We don't want people to dig below the surface and see who we really are. We like to have shallow relationships when God wants us to reveal it all to him, to be upfront and honest. If we're honest with ourselves, we'll acknowledge issues that we have. And in these days, it's not popular in, in many churches to really have an honest introspection of ourselves. Many times, I don't like to have an honest introspection of myself. Amanda and I will have conversations, and it'll, she'll ask me questions that I start to look at myself and see the issues I have in my heart. And many times, I don't like that. I'm far from perfect. But when we look at the history of the church, and when we look, especially in the Bible, we will see that people that were strong in their faith had an honest introspection of the sin in their life to the point of almost becoming obsessed over their sin. Look at Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. He sees the holiness of God. And what's the first things that come out of his mouth? Woe to me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the glory, I've seen the king. Or look at Paul in Romans 7, when he's talking about the struggle that he has with himself. Here he is, he, he does the things he hates to do, but he doesn't do the things he wants to do. It's this law of sin battling within him. And he goes towards the end of Romans 7, what does he say? He says, O wretch that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Praise be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to see the essence of true confession, read Psalm 51 by David, King David. He wrote this confession not when he was a, a young shepherd boy. He wrote it when he was at the peak of his career. He was the king of Israel. Nathan just confronted him about adultery. And he saw the sin in his heart, and he wrote Psalm 51. He says in Psalm 51.3, For I know the transgressions, and my sin is always before me. In other words, my sin is staring me down. When David confesses in Psalm 51, he doesn't blame anyone else. He blames himself. And when he confesses, he's not asking that God will just change his external behavior. He asks him to change him from the inside out. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. When I go to the car wash, I don't want a basic wash. I want the full detail. 
Clean me from the inside out. David was broken and he was crushed. And the guilt of sin weighed on him. When you read Psalm 51, you can see the anxiety, the pain, the burden of guilt that David had from sin. He was broken and he was contrite in heart. That is true confession. David even says towards the end of Psalm 51 that the sacrifices of God are a contrite heart, a broken spirit, and a broken heart. Communication with our Father through prayer should be a constant habit. I fail all the time at this. But I pray by the grace of God that he gives me the strength to continue on, to to communicate with him more and more and more as a child of God. And I don't pray so I get something from God the Father. That should never be our motivation. Our motivation for prayer should be from a grateful heart, should be thankfulness. The Westminster Catechism, question 178 asks, what is prayer? It says that prayer is an offering up of our desires into God in the name of Christ by the help of his spirit with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. We are to pray out of a thankful heart. David starts Psalm 51's confession with, Have mercy on me according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. We are to pray from a thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Our sin and God's mercy, when we confess our sins, we're not only acknowledging the sins in our hearts, but we're acknowledging God's mercy at the same time. We're acknowledging what God has done for us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, as Paul tells us in Ephesians 2. But God made us alive in Christ. It's grace, and we're thankful for that. We were enemies of God, and we're reconciled to God through the blood of Christ. As Paul tells us in Romans 5, we're to be thankful, and that's why we pray, because of his abundant mercy. It's amazing grace. Why would we not want to have communion with this daddy, this father, Abba Father? We have a 24-7 relationship with somebody who's always willing to listen to us. Why don't we pray more? I'll try to get up early most mornings. I usually get up around 5, 5.30 a.m. I'll I'll do it to try to get some reading, some studying done. And my boys will get up Sophia as well, they get up at 5.59 a.m. For some reason, they don't get up at 6 a.m. They get up at 5.59. Many times, I don't get much reading done, and I feel like they start to become a burden on me, like, why are you taking my time away from me? Here I am being a selfish sinner, a selfish father. But we have God the Father who's not selfish, Paul tells us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, pray continuously, and give thanks in all circumstances. If we were to pray continuously, why do you think Paul would tell us that if God got annoyed and burdened by us coming to him in prayer? He doesn't, because we have a perfect father. Our relationship as a Christian to our father is a two-way street. In that relationship... We get dirty, stinky feet. Many times I wear sandals to the beach. 
We'll go out. I'll take the family. We'll go to the beach. Do whatever. And I won't wash my sandals. And I'll get sweaty in them. They'll start to get stinky and nasty. My boys, it's even worse. They'll wear these fire boots. They don't put socks on. And we'll get home, and we'll go to their room, and I'll take their socks off, or I'll take their shoes off. And my nose hairs start to light on fire so bad. (laughs) They're clearing the room because they have dirty, stinky feet. As followers of Jesus Christ, we get dirty, stinky feet daily. In John 13, we have this this beautiful picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. He goes to wash Peter, and Peter says, don't wash me. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no place in the kingdom. And Peter says, then wash my hands and my head. But what does Jesus say? He says, you've already bathed. We only need to wash your feet. Peter has already been justified. He's already positionally a child of God. He's already bathed, but he still gets dirty feet. He needs his feet washed. That's what theologians call sanctification. It's our daily walk. It's our spiritual walk, our spiritual maturity. We still get dirty, stinky feet. But praise be to God, our feet get cleaned through the blood of Christ. It's Jesus' blood that cleanses our feet and cleans us daily through confession. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? We've already been bathed by God's grace, but our feet still get dirty. We're justified. We're in the family. We'll always be children of God, but our feet get dirty. We're part of the body of Christ. And our, our daily walk as a believer, it's a marathon. It's an ultra marathon. We're not running a 100-meter dash in a field that's clean. We're running an ultra marathon through the mud, and our feet get dirty all the time. So when f- sin floods our thoughts each day and dirties our feet, we have a perfect Father who washes our feet clean. Instead of looking the other way, We need to look to our Father, our Heavenly Father, Abba, Father. He just wants us to acknowledge our dependence on Him, to perceive the issues we have in our hearts and bring them to our loving Father. It takes humility to admit that we're not perfect. As a father and a husband, a man has got to live with me every day. And she of anyone knows I'm not perfect. Far from it. But God, through his grace, rescued me, as well as all of us who are children of God. And it takes humility, it takes a shattering of our pride to come to him and confess the issues in our hearts. We need to acknowledge the struggles and the issues that we have in our life, which is an everyday battle, knowing that the blood of Christ cleanses our feet. In the end, I was happy that my boys admitted to me what they had done. I didn't care about the rubber ducky that got trapped in the toilet. I just wanted my boys to be honest with me. That's how our father is. He wants us to run to him, run into his arms, because he loves us and he'll always love us. 
relationships are a two-way street. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace, your amazing grace. You're our Father, Abba Father. Your grace never runs dry. Your mercy, your abundant mercy, and your steadfast love is always there. You have this throne of grace that we can run to with confidence. Help us to understand that we're no longer condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are now in your family. We're adopted into your family. And that status will never change. But our feet get dirty as we run this marathon of life. And we thank you for your, the blood of your son that cleanses our feet. Again, thank you for your grace. I thank you for this time together tonight with one another. And I pray that as we leave today, that we remember the grace, this amazing grace that you have towards us. And that when we go out, we give this grace off to others, that we bless others because we have been blessed. In your precious name, amen.